morning, church. Welcome to our free community church Sunday service. I'm Sean, the service leader for today. Well, it has been a while since I'm the service leader. Uh, a bit rusty though. Uh, but welcome. Uh, if you're first time here, welcome to Free Community Church. I invite everybody to please remember to subscribe to our channel for those who are on YouTube. And those who are on site today, welcome home. So I invite everybody, you know, while you're seated down, those who are on site, to wave to the people on your left, on your right, to welcome them. And those who are online, okay, I invite everybody to either put a waving hand sign or put a love sign, so to also welcome those who are joining us today on site, uh, online today. As we, you know, I'm very happy that you know you all can join us today, those who are here, because it has been a while, and tomorrow onwards we are moving to the next phase. I'm very excited that you know we can gather with our friends and families. For those who have bigger families, now we can dine together. So we hope that you know things will improve further. So remember, as what government always says, remember to get vaccinated if you're not, and always take care of yourself. So as we prepare our heart for the service, to call to worship, I invite everybody to quiet down your heart and prepare your heart for the call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are part of the family. We are lost, lost and, and we, we are, are found, found. And we, we are, are part, part of the, of the family. family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are a part of the family. But we also know that the family is much bigger still. There, there are, are people, people who don't understand. understand. There, there are people, people we disagree with. with. There, there are people who don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family. Until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. Amen. I invite everybody now to quiet down your heart, to prepare your heart, give wholeheartedly to God as we worship together in His name.
Church, join us in a time of singing. As we sing of God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives, this morning, may God's voice speak to you. Let's sing, I love you. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God I love you, Lord I love you, Lord For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Together we sing All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice, you have led me through the fire, 
Church, um, welcome to church. Um, now let's take a few moments to uh, prepare ourselves uh, by taking a few deep breaths, close our eyes, and get ourselves ready to be in the presence of God. To the God of many names, thank you for keeping us well. Thank you for giving us all that we've been blessed with. In our abundance, we remind ourselves to give thanks. And in our lack, we are grateful for what you have given us to go another day. Lord, you care for us as you do the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Forgive us for not always giving thanks or to see your care for us. Forgive us for the times we do not stay even as you run after us with all your goodness. Forgive us for the times we do not listen. We commit ourselves to you once again and ask that we learn not only to hear your voice but to listen and to surrender our lives to you. Lord, guide us with the Holy Spirit. Comfort us in our moments of vulnerability and transform us through our struggles so that we can live as true disciples of your word. Lord, thank you for our community that is FCC. We have been lovingly formed, not in spite of, but because of the many forces of discrimination and injustice against LGBTQIA folk. Lord, we have been taught by you through many struggles and conflicts 
at the private level in our own lives, but also with the larger community and also within our own church. Lord, you have taught us that love is not the absence of conflict, but a commitment to struggle with each other. Our brothers and sisters in this church, but also beyond this church. Lord, thank you for challenging us to be a neighbour and to expand our definition of what it means to be a neighbour. Bless us, Lord, especially our pastors, Myung and Pauline, and all our leaders in this church, so that as we band together to learn how to struggle, help us, Lord, to struggle not against each other, but with each other, and help us, Lord, to break in the kingdom of love that Jesus has called us to. Lord, we pray a special prayer for those who may be struggling in FCC, for those who may be struggling to find work. Lord, we pray and ask that you help uh, each person who is struggling to find work and to find um, even just, just staying on with work, feeling trapped or wondering to stay or to leave, Lord, we pray and ask for your comfort and also your wisdom uh, to make the right decision. Lord, we pray and thank you for the many challenges that the pandemic has given us. But we are reminded in our personal struggles that, Lord, we struggle together with the rest of humanity. LGBT or not, Christian or not, Lord, we struggle together with each other. So, Lord, as we struggle together alongside others, Lord, we are reminded of our common humanity. Grant each one of us the comfort and strength and the wisdom to lead each new day. Help us to set our eyes on you, to surrender to you, you each day and in every moment. Help us, Lord, to dedicate our lives to you, that we may be formed fully in your image. Now, Lord, as we take a few moments to rest in silence, Lord, pray and ask and thank you, Lord, for all the things that are on our hearts. And that as we name the things and issues and the people and the concerns and the thanksgiving on our hearts, Lord, help us to know that you are listening. Lord, thank you for running after us with all your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in our lives. Help us, Lord, to turn to you in each day and every moment. And help us, Lord, to surrender to you, to live fully in your presence, to be guided by your will, and help us always to listen to your ways and to act 
always in love and to learn how to be a neighbour to each other. Lord, we pray and commit this prayer to you in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. When you touched me on my side 
when my eyes were open to you and so I saw that I was born free then I will remember when you became ill to me when you would not turn away when you would not turn away I will remember Good morning. Thank you for joining us today, whether you are here physically at One Commonwealth or you're joining us um, online on YouTube, whether you're on the live stream or you join us a little later, catching up with the service. As usual, we have been using Menti for quite a while and um, we want to invite you to participate because this is a way of engaging um, and getting connected and co-producing um, the sermon together. But today is a little different, right? I want to invite you, especially today, to participate because today's sermon is a little bit different from the usual ones. And I do hope that you get something out of it through your participation. And so for those of you who are new with us, um, you can go into menti.com and today's sermon code, uh, today's uh, uh, event code is 33775599. One of those very easy to remember numbers, uh, unlike the ones that we usually get, which are like uh, nuclear codes or something. Um, will you join me in prayer? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Every time I do write a sermon, um, I always want, I have one requirement for myself, that I have to learn something new. If I have learned something new, then I guess by, uh, that would imply, you know, that should suggest that you would also learn something new. But there are times also that I experience something more than just learning something new. Um, and sometimes um, I experience growth and healing through that process. And today's one of those sermons that, um, you know, that I feel some, there was something more as I went through the process of writing it. 
And um, some of you who are familiar with FCC, been with us for a while, sometimes I can get rather emotional um, during sermons. And today might be one of those. So just warn you in advance. Um, I want to start off today asking you, what is this? Right? Those of you who are on uh, Menti and on your phones, then you will see the full picture, right? Those of you who are present physically and looking at the screen, you only have a slice of it. But do you know what this is? Um, and I'll give you all a little bit of time to key in the answers and see, you know. Um, I didn't want to do a, a, a selection of four choices, a multiple choice, uh, because I like word clouds. Um, and that will be, it is fun to see what are the other... Um, words that, that pop up for people, right? You know, it's not the old church building. That's the background, I'm sorry. It's actually the, the, the slice of it at the side. If you're looking at your phone, then you can actually see the, that picture rather than the background for our Ecclesias uh, series. So um, we have uh, uh, the biggest word, right, is labyrinth. Um, some people write walking labyrinth, uh, route to happiness, Nokia snake. Oh, that's a very good one. That's a very good one, Nokia snake. For those of you who um, have an old Nokia phone and you play that snake game until you almost com completely fill up the entire screen, right? Uh, and eating those apples. Cloud, puzzle, crop circle, mm, um, floor, um, a maze, um, carpet. Uh, um, thank you for all your replies. Floor, floor tiles. Pattern, labyrinth. Yes, this is a labyrinth. Um, and specifically, this is the one from Grace Cathedral in San Francisco. I visited Grace Cathedral many times. Uh, it is a beautiful church at the top of Knob Hill, and I studied in the Bay Area, so um, it's not that far. It's not exactly that convenient. Um, I don't have a car. I have to walk up that hill, and it's good exercise. Um, but it's also a very beautiful space, right? Going into that space. And I actually have walked that labyrinth. Labyrinths have long been used as meditation and prayer tools. Some of you might have walked on a labyrinth before as a spiritual practice, and some of you might have even tried the finger labyrinth as you trace um, the path with your fingers on a printed labyrinth on a piece of paper instead of walking on an actual one. The labyrinth represents a journey to our centre and back out into the world. And don't confuse labyrinths with mazes, right? Someone wrote a maze earlier. Uh, because those two words are sometimes used interchangeably, but really, a labyrinth is not a maze. A maze is more like a puzzle to be solved, to get from one point to another point. There's an entr entrance or exit, or there's a point that you want to get to. And then there are a lot of twists and turns, and there are dead ends, right? But a labyrinth has only one path, the path to the centre, and the way in is the way out. And you cannot get lost into it. You cannot get lost. The path leads you to the centre. The thing is that while there's a path to the centre, there are a lot of twists and turns in the labyrinth as you walk it. And this is also reflective of our individual journeys. And while there's one path to the centre, each of us walk the path differently. 
Some of us will rush through it to the centre. And some of us, if you observe people um, at labyrinths, some of them take a step and then they pause and reflect and pray and then take another step. And going to the centre could take hours. And each pause, they allow God to speak to them through the prayers and allow the twists and turns as you turn to the left and turn to the right. The physical experience being there, the different parts of the church they are looking at, they allow that to speak to them at that, those points in time. And at the heart, mind the pun, of the labyrinth is the metaphor for our journey to the centre of our being. And then, from there, we step back out into the world with a deeper understanding of who we are, deeper understanding of who God is. And that's the kind of journey. Today, I want to invite you to a journey to the centre. And we start outside the labyrinth. For, these, for this sermon series, we've been talking about Ecclesia, how to be the church. Last week, Pauline talked about you know, conflict. I wonder, what stops us, and this is a question for you, from being the church, the Ecclesia, the community of believers, of Christ followers, what do you think make us give up being the church? What are your experiences, right? Sometimes we encounter things and we go, ah, I just want to quit, I don't want to give up. Exclusion, the people who are against us. Judging one another, tradition, not knowing how to manage different personality types, they're very good. Selfishness, distrust, judgmental, pride, being overhateful, feeling alone when serving, exhaustion, love and leadership, discrimination, conflict, lack of dedication, I guess. When the church betrays its claims to be a safe space, social anxiety, worldly needs, difficulty, Overwhelming expectations, disagreement, hate. Let me go back to that screen. Can you um, scroll a little bit? I think difficulty, what's overwhelming expectations, disagreement, hate, churches who promote hate, ignorance, discrimination. We face many things that stop us, us from being the church, right? It makes me, us want to give up. The reality is that sometimes we get burnt out. I was going to say that. <laughs> Someone just kidding, fatigue and burnt out. Thank you for participating and offering your answers. Sometimes we experience us burnt out. We give and give and we do and do and do and we run out of steam. We are drained and really, really tired. And especially during this time when we are all quite disconnected from one another. And while we might not be able to be physically with one another, we still, there's, still a lot, there's even more things that need to be done to be church. Right? 
And we are human beings created to be connected to one another. Social connection is very important. And during this time, really, we lack social connection. Sometimes we experience conflict, we get burned by that experience. We become tired of being misunderstood by people, especially those we work with. And sometimes we get hurt in the process. Sometimes we are disappointed. Disappointed at outcome. Disappointed that we didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve. Disappointed at the response to the work we do. Disappointed at the lack of appreciation, at the lack of impact. Disappointed that nobody stepped in to help and we are all alone carrying that burden. And sometimes we are triggered. In the process of doing the work of church, the work of ecclesia, we experience things that cause us to relive memories of bad or traumatizing experiences. The recent letter by the Bishop of the Methodist Church in Singapore regarding the denomination stand on same-sex marriage may have triggered some of you. It certainly triggered me. Again, reading the letter, I feel I'm described as broken. Again, sexual orientation and gender identity issues are placed in the same category as exploitation of sex and addiction to pornography. Of course, I felt angry. I felt indignation. And this is where I am, and perhaps where some of you are, burnt out, disappointed, triggered, angry, hurt, feeling that all the effort, all that you have poured out, time, energy, resources, have been in vain. Perhaps some of you experienced something like that at home, at work, or in church. So we begin standing outside the labyrinth, feeling all of this, and wondering, how can we be church with all of this that we are carrying, all this baggage? Now, the title of the sermon sort of, uh, is sort of a spoiler, right? Because the title of the sermon today is Grace, Ecclesia and Grace. So grace will be the answer. Yeah, it's sort of um, bad naming in some ways. It's like watching Loki and then they give you the, you know, who's a bad guy at the end. But it is not so straightforward. Yes, grace is the answer to how we can be church, despite being tired, drained, burnt out, disappointed, angry, hurt. But just like the path to the center of the labyrinth, while it is the answer, it is a meandering path. And it is also one that we have to choose to take. In a maze, we are confronted with choices, left or right, and some of them will lead to dead ends. But in the labyrinth, there's only one choice, the choice to enter the labyrinth or not to. So, I invite you to join me as we step into this labyrinth today, the labyrinth being a metaphor or symbol for this sermon. What do you understand grace to be? 
Many of us have grown up in other churches and we've been taught a lot about grace. What do you understand grace to be? Unconditional, forgiving, unconditional love, blessing, permission to forgive ourselves, undeserved forgiveness and acceptance, second chance, unmerited favour of God that we reflect to one another, patience, acknowledging God's will and goodness, not focusing on faults and sins, being merciful, unconditional love and kindness, empathy. First realise people make the church and vice versa. Compassion, empathy, a prayer to say before meals. That's one type of grace. A restart button. Like sun and rain, it shines and rains on all. God reaching out in love in a self-sacrificial way. Something we don't deserve but was freely given. Undeserved love and forgiveness. Endless showers of blessings and wealth. I'm not so sure about wealth, but blessings, yes. Getting what we don't deserve. Love, joy, peace. Acceptance of imperfections. Knowing that whatever I do is never enough. Freedom to live your true self. Thank you for contributing your answers. Um, some of them, like the, you know what you say before a meal, um, is uh, a correct possible answer, but not what I'm looking for. And some of you actually gave the answer away. Um, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe that's, you know, sometimes asking these questions, inviting you to participate may not be so good an idea because you sort of let the cat out of the bag and my point is already on the screen. But the thing but thank you. Thank you for participating and thank you for reflecting. Thank you for being engaged in this process. Um, when I went to seminary, I'm required to buy this book, right, um, by Justo Gonzalez, um, Essential Theological Terms. You know, it helps us have clear definitions. And this is the definition of grace. It is, it is the unmerited love of God which both forgives and transforms the sinner. It could be said that the good news of the gospel is none other than the message of God's grace. While we may have different ways to describe grace, the important aspect of grace is unmerited, unconditional. We have done nothing to earn it. We have done nothing to deserve it. So I want to ask you, what are the narratives in the Bible that you can think of that demonstrates grace as unmerited? Oh, I'm trying to... Yep, here we go. What are the narratives in the Bible that you can think of that demonstrates grace as unmerited? What comes to your mind? There are quite a few. There are actually quite a lot, right? The prodigal son, Christmas... Yeah, a lot of you, you know, another prodigal son. David's mistake, the Samaritan woman. I think David's mistake is re referring to um, him committing adultery and murdered Uriel. I, I think that might be it, and then he was forgiven. And then that's what led him to write that psalm, right? Um, 
Ruth, the demon-possessed man. Jacob, imperfect as he is, God loves him. Jacob's success, the rainbow after the flood. Thank you for thinking, you know, um, I was waiting for that. <laughs> the crucifixion, right? That's the cent The cross is the centre, <clears throat> right, of the gospel for us. Esther, Jacob and Esau, when Esau forgave Jacob, Right, when they reconciled in a way. Peter's restoration. <coughs> Job. Mm, I, I will think more about Job because that requires quite a lot of unpacking. The prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her perfume and Jesus led her. <coughs> Jesus. Jonas. Ah, I think someone expanded on that, Nineveh, right? Jonas was told to preach repentance to Nineveh and who, who, are their, who, who were the enemies of the Jews. And, and God forgave Nineveh and Jonas got angry. When God ordered Abraham to sacrifice his son and decided not to when Abraham was about to, the woman at the well, thank you. <clears throat> I want to look at a few passages that we are that has been mentioned up there. I think Jesus on the cross was is one, right? Jesus says, "Forgive them, for they not know what they are doing." Jesus pardoned on the cross, and I think we or people the people responsible for crucifying him didn't do anything, didn't ask for forgiveness. Um, but he forgave them. Jesus also pardoned the thief who was next to him. Right? And Jesus said to him, <clears throat> Truly I say to you, today shall, you shall be with me in paradise. <clears throat> Jay, can you help me get some water? Oh, thank you. <clears throat> There's a scratchy in my throat. Um, well, we might think maybe the thief did do something when he told Jesus, remember me when you... Thank you, Sean. <coughs> when, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The first two answers was the prodigal son. And that's a very familiar parable. We talk about it a lot in FCC. The story of the prodigal resonates so much with so many of us, feeling as the one who has run away, didn't deserve love, and returning back to church, God embraced us through our experience. We can really see in our minds, right, the parable of the lost son and the father running out to embrace, even before the son said a word. The father saw the son coming back and just ran out. And that's grace, unmerited love. And so often we hear the parable called, and people calling the parable the parable of the prodigal son. 
The word prodigal doesn't mean lost. The word prodigal means wastefully extravagant. And Timothy Keller, in the book The Prodigal God, writes, the word prodigal doesn't mean wayward, but according to Merriam-Webber's Collegiate Dictionary, it means recklessly spendthrift. It means to spend until you have nothing left. So the term is therefore appropriate for describing the father in the story as well as the younger son. The father's welcome to the repentant son was literally reckless because he refused to count his son's sin against him or demand repayment. In this story, Jesus is showing us the God of great expenditure, who is nothing if not prodigal towards us, God's children. God's reckless grace is our greatest hope, a life-changing experience, and the subject of his book, The Prodigal God. Grace is offered to everyone. <coughs> And I haven't gotten to the, the good parts yet. And I'm choking up already, right? <clears throat> we remember every week when we, when we come to the communion table that Jesus ate and offered this to everyone. Offered this to Peter who denied him three times. Offered this to Judas, who betrayed him to the authorities. It would be difficult to find someone more undeserving of grace than Judas. But even Jesus, even though Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, he still loved Judas, still ate with him, and still washed Judas' feet. Jesus could have told Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. Right? Those are his words when he sent Judas off. But he could have done so before he washed the disciples' feet and even before the Passover meal. But, in, but still, Jesus only sent him after the meal, after the washing of feet. I think that's grace. Oh, thanks. However, Receiving grace is not easy. And that's perhaps why Peter refused to let Jesus wash his feet. I want to ask you, why do you think Peter refused to let Jesus wash his feet? And you can answer very literal answers, ah. Uh. Mm, I don't know what this answer Shoo. Not worthy. He didn't think he deserved it. Felt that he guilty. Felt that he's unworthy. Felt undeserving. Respecting hierarchy. Jesus is his rabbi, not someone who should be washing his feet. 
yeah, you know, there's some, um, some hierarchy going on here. He was scared to receive that grace. He was more focused on his unworthiness. Dirty. You know what this is? Ticklish. Oh, that's possible. Ticklishly unworthy. I, wa I want to know who wrote that, you know. I like your humour. Internalised feeling of inadequacy. Peter feels that he himself is unworthy because he didn't see Jesus as an equal. He finds the act demeaning. Not proud of his smelly feet, yeah. Dirty feet, not worthy to be washed by his teacher. Undeserving. He didn't know the spiritual significance of having his feet washed, which was being one with Jesus. No point, we'll get dirty again later. Because Jesus, Peter is a rock, and rocks don't like to be eroded by water. This must be from the youth. <laughs> this sounds like an answer from the FCC youth. Didn't understand that the master is also the servant, because he feels Jesus is his master. The feet is the dirtiest part of the body, and I don't want someone we esteem to touch it. Paradigm mind blown. Thank you. I like all your answers. I like the one. I like the funny ones too. Peter struggled with accepting grace, and like what many of you said, he felt he wasn't good enough. He didn't deserve to have Jesus wash his feet, something that even slaves don't do. But Jesus told him, "If I do not wash you," you will have no share with me. And I'm going to step one more step into the labyrinth and invite you to take that step too and ask you, in what ways do you think you are also refusing to let Jesus wash your feet? What are the reasons you think stops you from allowing Jesus to do that? And I want you to slow down and breathe as you think about the answer. Don't rush into answering it. It's not easy. It's not easy to reflect and look in the mirror. It's not easy to see that, to, to see that you have yet allowed Jesus to wash your feet too. leaving a comfort zone. I have not served people as Jesus has served others. Confronting past traumas, awkwardness, inadequacy, uncomfortable with losing control. I want to go back to awkwardness. Why do you think that you feel awkward to allow Jesus to wash your feet? Think about that. I mean, when we were born as babies, often our parents, the people in our lives who loved and cared for us, would have washed us. Maybe we have no control over that, but we don't feel that awkwardness, right, to allow that person to love us in this way. I wondered if your parents 
or your family members have washed your feet when you were a kid. Inadequacy, uncomfortable, losing control, hard to trust. Our centres are vulnerable, even traumatised, yes. Because we might have been hurt before and we do not want to let people in because we are afraid they'll be hurt again. I feel like I'm undeserving. Self-effort, I'd rather do it myself, right? Some preconceived notions of what Lord means. You know, you'll not let you know, your Lord serve you or kneel in front of you. Scared. Prefer the status quo. Fear of change. Others need it more? Ah, that's a very good question. In a way, it's a form of deflection, right? Others need it more, I don't need it. But do you think there's a limit to God's love? Have insufficient faith in Him. And thank you for being vulnerable to acknowledge that. Not knowing the areas that He would want to wash my feet in. Once I know, I will say wash away, unless it entails doing something tough. Then I struggle a bit more. Sometimes we think that it's a transaction, right? You wash my feet, then I have to do something for you. Then we will like, I'd rather not have that. But it's like grace. Sometimes we bear our own walk and take responsibility to wash our own feet. I'm not blaming or always demanding of God and Jesus to have them wash our feet. That's interesting thought and invite you to bracket that because it's slightly different from... Um, there's a difference, right? And I will be talking about grace later on uh, and I will be talking about responsibility as well. Shame. A lot of it is about shame. Shame that maybe you're, you know, like me, one of my toenails actually broke off and it's very ugly because of the running. And, you know, I don't want people to see it. It's not perfect. Or your feet, your, your toes may calloused or whatever. And you're ashamed of it. And that prevents us from receiving grace. Embarrassing mental struggles, fear of failure, difficulty with forgiving myself and feelings of unworthiness, afraid of uncertainties that lie ahead. Well, I want you to, in, to invite you to think about, well, it's allowing Jesus to wash your feet here and now. Why are you thinking about what's happening after that? Right? Are you starting to think too much about what lies ahead? I would love my feet to be washed by Jesus, but I still feel I'm not worthy as He's the Son of God. Doubt our relationship with God. Toxic masculinity, I don't need help, I should be independent. Very true. Many of us growing up male have this, you know, I, need, I don't need anyone's help, I need to be strong, I cannot be vulnerable. And that is a problem. Maybe there's a lack of relationship or I don't know much about him. Being too prideful to, uh, to let him serve and help me. Feel like he doesn't mean what he says he intends to do. The lack of trust. Because, and signals commitment and fear commitment as one lacks conviction to commit. Thank you for all your answers. They are very insightful and I hope that it allows you to, th 
to have insight into yourself. Like Peter, we struggle with accepting grace. It's not an easy thing to do. It may be because we think we don't deserve it, as a lot of you have said. And sometimes it could be we, because we think we don't deserve it, once we received it, we will be indebted. We owe him something. We live in a transactional world and we are steeped in its values. We are taught that everything has a price. And accepting that love will mean that we have to pay for it later. But that is not the way of Christ. That is not God's way. God's love isn't transactional. It isn't, there are, there's no, you know, if grace has conditions attached, then it's no longer grace. So, by that very definition, grace isn't transactional. It is transformational. When we say that when we receive grace and we are transformed, it is not a condition. It is an outcome. If we do what we do as Christians or what we want to do as Ecclesia, out of, uh, out of it being a debt too of what we received, then we are not really transformed within. We are just trying to pay God back for the grace that we received. However, if we move away from the transactional understanding and accept God's grace and love, that's unconditional, then we are allowing God to start to work within us that transform us from within. And at this point, we reach the centre of the labyrinth, the heart of this sermon. You are beloved. You are loved beyond measure. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you radically. We're told that a lot. We say this very often in FCC. But to be honest, it's not easy to internalize. Because we still don't believe it. Because we look in the mirror, we see how terrible we are, how flawed we are, and we think we don't deserve that love. But that's the thing, right? We don't need to deserve it. God's grace is sufficient. But this is something that cannot be known intellectually. You cannot read a book and understand grace. It needs to be experienced. So now, I want to invite you to take part in a short prayer meditation exercise. And, you know, some of you might feel uncomfortable. It's okay if you do not want to participate. This will work too if you're at home. Just make sure that you're not just lying, well, lying in bed works. But you're comfortable, right? You're, you don't have distractions all over. And you can focus. Right? I'll be inviting you to do some visualising. Right, as I read from John chapter 13. And if it helps you, you may close your eyes. Because visualizing, you know, looking around, you will have more distractions. Um, 
especially with me waving my hands. But I want to you to picture yourself into the scene. And we start now. In your imagination, see the room where Jesus is having supper with his disciples. What is the room like? Is it large? Or is it small? And how is it arranged? Are there chairs or are they sitting on the floor? What is the room like? Are there windows? And if there are windows, is there still light coming in at this time? Do you smell anything? Food? Dinner? Now, see the people in the room and you are among them. Who is there? Is it just the 12 disciples? Like in Leonardo da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper? Or are there more than 12 of them? A larger group of them? With women and even children? Look around. And you are there. And take a moment to listen in to the conversations they're having. What are they talking about? Or are they focused on Jesus? Like a good bunch of students sitting you know, and listening. Or are they a cacophony, you know, like a marketplace? Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to God. He loved his own in the world and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that God had put everything into his power and had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it to his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. At a certain moment, Jesus rises from the meal, removes his garments. How did the disciples react? Isn't it odd to have your teacher, your rabbi, suddenly remove his clothes and tie a towel to his waist? How do you react? He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Can you see the expression on Simon and Jesus' face during this interaction? How about the other disciples? How are they reacting? How about you? 
How do you react as Simon and Jesus spoke? Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. Then Jesus moves over to Judas. What is the Judas' reaction now? Does he say something to Jesus? And Jesus begins to wash Judas' feet as well. And how are you feeling as you watch Jesus wash Judas' feet? And then, Jesus comes to you to wash your feet. And I want you to imagine Jesus in front of you, kneeling in front of you, taking your feet. Imagine the warmth of the water flowing over your feet and your toes. Can you hear the soft, splashing water as Jesus is washing your feet? Do you say something to him? Or do you just keep quiet? What feelings are coming up for you right now? As Jesus gently washed your feet, how do you feel? What things are coming up that you might want to say? Can you feel the texture of the towel as Jesus dries your feet? So when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I've done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should do also. As I done for you, you should also do. I want you now to slowly come back to the present, into the room, wherever you are, whether you, you know, in your living room, on the sofa, or from your bed, or here in one commonwealth at your seats. How do you feel? And how was this experience? Mm, invite you to reflect. Perhaps you want to say, what were the things that came up for you? Perhaps you also want to say, what did you say to Jesus? Or, if you're willing, share maybe what Jesus said to you as Jesus washed your feet in this 
meditative prayer. I just want to invite you to share, if you're willing, this process. It may not be easy. It may be a struggle. And there might be difficult emotions that have come up. And that is okay. I want to go back in time. How can I have the same experience and relationship today? Thank you for saying that. Uh, the thing that comes to me is, you know, the song, you know, um, your, what is new every morning? The steadfast love of God, right? It's new every morning. And it is our renewal of our daily experiences of God that we can maintain that relationship with freshness. And that applies to your relationships as, in your life as well, right? Ashamed that I have not done what Jesus has done for me to others. <clears throat> and that's okay. It's a beginning to recognize. We try. We try to be followers of Christ. But we need to be also gentle with ourselves and know we are not Christ. Still feel unworthy, but becoming more open to this foreign concept of grace. Yeah, it's very foreign because everything we do feels... You know, in this world, it's transactional, vulnerable. Jesus was telling me, God loves me regardless. Go serve others I have done for you. Do not be afraid. Thank you for sharing that. Humbling. And someone said, Teacher, why are you doing this? Just like Peter. Hmm? Abundant love and grace. Very loved and blessed. Help me see Peter as a funny person and the light-hearted dynamics among them. Jesus is someone I can hang around his hang around his neck physically. Okay. Because that didn't sound very good. <laughs> okay, so you want to hold on to Jesus and hang around. I could smell the bread, the chatter of the apostles, the peace and love felt being in his presence, and he smiled. When it's my turn to get washed, but I pushed him away and fall to the floor. I quickly kneeled down to apologize, but he said it's okay. He said it is okay not to be okay and you are loved, and trust Him. Oh, this is beautiful. Right, goosebumps. <laughs> Safe and loved, comforting and assuring, having a heart block as the faces of people I can't give come to mind. There are some people that in our lives that's difficult to give love to, right? And they come to our mind. And it might be prompting from God felt welcome and invited into a sacred space with Jesus and his disciples. And for the first time, I could imagine women and children present. There were always women and children present, just that they were written out of the scene. Thankful, confused, humbling. Thank you for offering that, um, your answers, and share, being vulnerable to share that. Uh, and I want to, you know, those of you who didn't share, that's okay. I hope that you have kept this scene in your mind. Let me tell you what I encountered at the center of the labyrinth. Oh, another answer popped up, and I want to go back there. You know, I don't want to 
the the sweet, the sweet of the wine, the warmth of the bread, the chat of the room, and his ever-looking eyes for a gaze that meet his. I felt he looked very serious, so I told him, Hey, Rabbi, want to eat durians or not? It's in season now, so very cheap. Ah. And I can give you a tour around town, but please wear a muscle. Thank you. We have very interesting youths. Okay, it might be, well, we are young at heart. Maybe it's not a youth. Huh? Don't want to, 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 to um, yeah. There are times that I've been and will continue to be Peter or Judas, yet he washes regardless. Thank you. And to replicate likewise for others is expression of my gratitude and feeling and acceptance. You see, I have faced disappointments on this journey. And there are many times I feel a deep resentment. Despite all that I've poured into the work, in spite of all the time and energy I poured out, there are times that things don't turn out the way I think they should. There are people I'm trying to help, counsel, show up for, write letters to appeal on their behalf, listen to their struggles, offer advice and insight, and tried my very best. And even in those situations where I felt God was there with me as I intervened, they didn't change. Disappointment, perhaps, is a little too gentle a word to use. I would even say that sometimes I feel betrayed. I would say that I feel heartbroken when they went back to their old ways, their old patterns. Some fell afoul of the law yet again. And then I hear, you know, in the sense of an inner voice, you haven't fully offered grace to yourself. So you are not able to offer grace to others. At the center of the labyrinth, I have not allowed Jesus to wash my feet as well. I have not allowed God's unconditional love to wash over me. And that's why I'm feeling all this resentment and disappointment. I am still stuck in that mentality that grace is deserved. I may have tried to accept God's grace, but I've missed a step. I have not been able to offer grace to others because I've yet to offer grace to myself. I haven't been able to forgive myself for all my shortcomings, faults and failures. And sometimes in our lives, there's just one person in the world who has yet to forgive us, ourselves. And because I've not been able to offer grace to myself, I cannot offer grace to others. Now, offering grace to myself, forgiving myself, is not the same as excusing myself for bad behaviours or wrongdoing. Grace is also not letting myself off the hook or not be accountable or held responsible. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes about cheap grace in the cost of discipleship. Cheap grace is like having a powerful conversion experience and thinking that everything must, be, must go well ever after. It's like experiencing God, Jesus washing your feet and then you think, oh, yay, everything will be okay from now on. The reality is that everything will not go well ever after. The conversion experience should lead us to inner transformation and growth. It is not that everything will be a straight path to happiness, joy, and all good things. Love and grace are free, but they don't eliminate accountability for how we live. I'm slowly learning how to allow myself to be sustained by grace and offer grace to myself and then offering grace to those people who have disappointed me, let me down, or even what I'll think as betrayed me. And I want to invite you to that same journey. Like allowing Jesus to wash your feet, are you, allow, are you able to allow God's grace to wash over you? It is when we're able to receive God's grace that we are able to offer grace to ourselves and then offer it to other people. This is the kind of transformation that we experience. And that's why I understand Jesus to mean, when I, unless I wash you, you will, not, you will have no inheritance with me. Unless we accept grace fully, we will not be able to move and live and grow in Christ. Are we able to allow God's love and grace wash over us and surrender into the embrace and allow ourselves to experience grace? Allow ourselves to offer grace to ourselves? Are we able to hear God calling our name and inviting us into a new life marked by grace? And I've done this before. I really love the song, The Summons, or sometimes known as, Will You Come and Follow Me? That song that I really feel resonates as an invitation for me on my journey. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? You may be ready to say yes. You may have already been ready a long time ago and have been saying yes, yes, yes every day of your life since then. And you may not be ready right now perhaps of what you are still wrestling with. And perhaps you still have that voice telling you, you're not good enough. And that is okay. Because that's the journey. That's walking on the labyrinth. That's one of those turns. It is vital that we embrace this grace. 
Because this will be our anchor to the ministries we do, the outreach, the projects, all the work we do as church, as ecclesia. Otherwise, we'll be always tripping up over all the conflicts, all the friction that will inevitably arise when two or more people work together. I've seen it happen. Despite the best of intentions, we end up being hurt by one another. Sometimes because we misunderstand each other, sometimes because we have different, different working styles, different approaches, different ways of doing things, all affected by how we are shaped by earlier experiences. And sometimes even leaving someone out unintentionally causes hurt. And this happens in communities everywhere. And recently, someone in the LGBTQ community raised concerns over the use of the term fag hag, you know, using for a musical that's being played right now, saying that term is derogatory and shouldn't be used. But there's a lot of background to that. But what, during that conversation, right, it wasn't, I don't even see it as a conversation, it was a lot of conflict, anger, and negativity. The thing is, we are a different kind of community. We are ecclesia. We are called to be the body of Christ. So we need to operate differently from how the world operates. And we need to operate with grace. I have come to realize a lot of the anger and a lot of the pain comes from inability to experience and offer grace. Grace means that we allow ourselves to be not good enough. Grace means that we are allow each other to be not good enough. <coughs> that, means, that doesn't mean that we don't hold each other accountable or responsible. It means that we separate the person from the behaviour, from the mistakes, from the failures. <coughs> Grace doesn't mean we enable bad behaviours either but we find ways to engage from a place of love. It is, this is helpful for me because when I'm able to allow myself not to be good enough, I'm able to hear criticisms without taking it personally, without taking an, it, no criticisms as an attack on my personhood or my self-worth. I'm able to accept failures and part and parcel of the work that we do and being able to be to allow myself to fail. Because if I'm afraid of failure, then probably I'll not do anything at all. And one important thing about the lack of grace, when we lack grace, we judge. We judge others, we judge ourselves, we judge each other. Because we don't have grace. When I'm able to allow people not to be good enough and love them just the way they are, I'm less affected when they don't behave the way that I expect them to or do the things that I think that they shouldn't do. I cannot control anyone's behaviours except my own. And the reality is that even God cannot control our behaviours because we are free will. So as a church, and to be the church in the world, we need to be a community of grace, anchored in love. And this is when 
we turn and retrace our steps out of the labyrinth. At the centre, we experience grace, God's grace for us. And as we head out, we carry this, this transformation, this grace for ourselves and for other people as well. We walk from the innermost parts of ourselves back out. We bring what we've experienced out into the world. My invitation to do that meditative prayer was an invitation to experience God. We haven't been able to do a Monday Thursday service for a couple of years. All right. And that has always been something that we, en we, we enjoyed. Right? For those of you who don't know, historically, right, for me, the Monday Thursday service was the first service I organised within FCC. And I wasn't a leader back then. And I was always thinking that, you know, with the number of boyfriends I have, you know, I'm not worthy. But my understanding of the washing of feet and the, its significance in the Holy Week, the, the Holy Tridom, impacted me a lot in my faith. And it shaped how I understand grace to be. And it was uncomfortable. People allowing strangers, and the way we do it is quite odd because you come up and you sit on a chair and you don't know who is going to come up and wash your feet. And then when you are done, you, you walk away, that person wash your feet, will sit in that chair and that person doesn't know who's going to come up next. I remember one, one time when someone almost, I could see the, 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 someone freaking out when Reverend Yap was walking up to wash that person's feet. It was, they were like, you know, the, the expression, the, 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 the kind of, but that is the whole experience, right? And we disrupt that. The kind of grace that's undeserved. You don't know who, you shower that grace on everyone around you. And how it looks like here, now. When we feel like we are betrayed, we remember that Jesus washed even Judas' feet. He washed the feet of those who would abandon, deny and betray him. We remember Jesus' conversation with Peter after his resurrection. He didn't cast Peter aside when Peter failed. He asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's more important than the sum of Peter's failures and the sum of Peter's denials. And then he told Peter to feed and tend to the lamb and sheep. I think through this process, Jesus was both showing grace to Peter, but also holding Peter accountable to his responsibilities as well. Remember, Grace doesn't mean that we do not hold ourselves or someone else accountable. That's different from judging, right? Accountability and judging are two very different things. Someone's bad behaviour doesn't make them undeserving of grace because grace, by definition, is unmerited. They don't need to earn it. So when we have so when we, and I'm returning back to John 13, so when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at the table again, he said to them, 
Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. And as we step out of the labyrinth, I hope you, like me, can respond in the last stanza of the song, the summons, which was a reply to the invitation to the summons of Christ. Lord, your summons echoes true when you but call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go, where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you in me. Amen. Before I enter the time of Holy Communion, I invite those who are at home to take a short moment to prepare their elements so that we can partake the meal together. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this table we are not physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted in the midst of your many blessings. We complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us trust your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. Surely, Surely goodness, goodness and mercy, and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. lives. God, God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our good shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We offer grateful, grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace. For our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls 
healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. Remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. My invite the stewards to please come forward to distribute the elements of which we are all partake together. Come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us, take, let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. May I invite the congregation to stand together, to say this together. God of love, you abide with us. Your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. That's one another. 
in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. May be seated. Thank you. Good morning and welcome again to Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church where you're welcome here regardless of your theological background, you know, your religion, gender identity, sexual orientation, economic status, education level, etc. 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 Why put etc. 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 is because everyone puts a label in us and we put a label in someone. So we hope that you know in FCC. We don't believe in labels. We only believe in one thing, that you are a child of God and God loves you as who you are. Amen. You know, welcome again once for those who are returning with us. Welcome home. For those who are first time here, welcome home. You know, today's uh, sermon has been very empowering about grace, something for us to talk about. And it is something that, you know, really resonates with you. Or you have friends or family members who wants, who needs to hear this, please share with them. At the same time, I invite you all to like uh, today's YouTube if it's something that you know you think that can help others because then more people can actually, you know, actually access to the YouTube uh, for today's sermon itself. For those who are new, uh, we want to stay in touch with you. Uh, we're actually a quite a fun bunch of people also at the same time. Uh, not, uh, not just something that today, if you're first time, you feel that, oh, are we very, very serious? Yes, we are, but at the same time, we're also a fun group of people. So we want to get to know you better, so you can actually leave us your details by scanning the QR code, or at the same time, you can log on to fcc.last.fcc.welcome. And if you want to get to know us better, we actually have a newcomers meeting every last Sunday of the month. And if you're interested to join us, you can email us at info at freecomchurch.org. Now we'll go on to the giving part. Um... So, we want to. There's different ways of giving. Uh, there's actually three ways of giving. The first way of giving is actually through PayNow. You actually scan. You can scan the QR code which is appearing on the screen for those who are uh, at home or watching us via YouTube. For those who are on site, you actually can see in front of you the chair. There's actually also a QR code that you can scan. Okay, if you want to uh, give yourself. So on the left is the general fund, on the right is the building fund. Second way you can give is through credit card, uh, which is FCC, uh, freecomchurch.give.asia. Okay, and lastly, if you are giving by check, please make it to Free Community Church uh, Limited. Okay, if you are giving it to the building fund, please indicate the check is building fund. Uh, if, if not, it will be for general fund. So let us give thanks for the giving. Generous and giving God. You have poured your blessing on us like the rain soaked the sun-dried grass of our country. You have leveraged us with your unconditioned love, forgiveness and grace. When you send the rain to water the grass, we see the growth of the grass and how healthy it is. It reminds us this day as we make our gifts to you, that we may have blessed for a purpose and may be a blessing to others. 
May we grow in compassion, in mercy, in longing for justice and love as Christ loved us. In the holy name we pray. Amen. Also, if you'd like to give cash, there's still a come forward to take the offering bags and you can raise your hand and it'll come towards you uh, while we continue with the uh, announcement portion. So the only announcement we have today is for Living Water. So Living Water is a signature uh, activities that we have. It's about the reconciliation between faith and sexuality for men. And th this time around, the running will happen on the 15th of July. It will start on every Thursday evening. Personally, I have attended Living Water before and it's definitely something more very enriching for me to really understand further about reconciliation. Okay, Even though since young, I know I'm already gay. My, my first track show I ever done was at, when I was five years old. When I dressed up, I took my mom's clothes and dressed up. I really knew I was gay. But understand better about sexuality and faith really helps me to further embrace who I am. So I really encourage, if you really want to know more, you know, please join the Living Water uh, about this thing. The sign up, you actually can fcc.last slash livingwater2021. Alternatively, you can scan the QR code. So this is the only announcement today. Now I invite Pastor Pauline for the benediction. Will you stand as you're willing and able for the benediction? Will you love the you you hide if I but call your name? Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you in me? And now go, and may God's extravagant love and grace Go with you always. Amen. So we've come to the end of the service. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday and throughout the week, as if you're watching online. Um, may God's blessing and grace go with you wherever you may be this coming week. And see you again next week. Thank you. <laughs>